right, here we go. Welcome to Twin Peaks Drunk Monkeys Logcasting. I'm Colleen Carney Hefner, Editor-in-Chief of Drunk Monkeys. And I'm Chris Pruitt. I am Managing Editor at Drunk Monkeys. We're here uh-huh. with producer Matt. Yeah, hello. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to produce a, this show. Who's a founding guy <laughs> at Drunk Monkeys. <laughs> um, today we're going to be discussing episode eight which is the season finale of twin peaks called the last event what is the name of this the last episode? evening evening i can't read my own writing <laughs> it's, it's going well so far <laughs> what, whatever we've already established the names of these episodes are stupid so they are. Yeah. the last event in this episode it's the um, last evening ever it's the only <laughs> evening that's ever gonna happen from now on. the end <laughs> Um, I wanted to real quick before we get really into it, plug our journal, drunkmonkeys.us. Uh, we're on social media as Drunk Monkeys Web. You can follow along here at TP Logcasting on Twitter. Um, we're pretty cool, so check us out. And I also wanted to say we're still in the depths of quarantine, so we're all at home, social distancing still. And meanwhile, there are protests and things happening out there so i did want to say that we are with everybody in spirit um please if you can donate to the appropriate um charities we sent in a donation to the minnesota freedom project Mm. fund Mm. freedom fund i believe freedom fund yeah um please if you can feel free to donate uh also wanted to say black lives definitely matter and a cab <laughs> so let's hope everybody's staying safe out there um and yeah we are a spoiler light podcast so we're here to just discuss each episode scene by scene and if you have seen the you know future episodes that's fine but we will not be talking about them we will be only talking about this episode so if you're new to twin peaks nothing gets spoiled for you it's not fine. We're mad if you've seen the rest of the series. <laughs> Actually, there's like several times where I'm like, and then, no. <laughs> yeah. Or I start talking about something and then, uh, oh, yeah. we'll talk about <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's go right into it. Okay, so uh, the, the episode opens with a shot of what's obviously a still image of like probably somewhere in the Hawaiian Islands, the palm trees it we know jacoby's whole thing we we get it but it's a kind of jarring uh cut from that uh you know that pacific northwest intro to the still image of palm trees at sunset the camera pans over to uh the door to jacoby's apartment opening which sort of picks up right where we left off with James and Donna doing the Scooby Gang thing, and they walk in and have some of the dumbest dialogue in this series. Like, so dumb. over first the course of just, a couple of moments here. First, they just stand there, like, uh, like, like four minutes. Then they start, like, vaguely looking around. They're looking for proof that Jacoby is, is like, in on this, like, murder of Laura. And James goes to a drawer and goes, Maybe this is something. Literally anything could be something. It's so stupid. He pulls, he opens a drawer out of which he pulls a box with seashells on it. And he goes, maybe this is something. That's a fucking box, (laughs) dummy. Yeah. 
maybe this is something I said, James, master of all that is true in my notes. <laughs> yes, you're correct. Maybe it is something. I need um, to say, it, this very much reminded me of when I was in high school going to college, my friends made a Blair Witch parody. And part of it was my friend Phil picking up a leaf and going, oh, look at this leaf. I think it's really distinctive. And they're like, it's just a leaf. And that's like the same energy. I got. Like, it's stupid. Same energy. Like, um, there's last night, my girlfriend and I just watched The Lovebirds on Netflix. And uh, I feel very medium about the movie on the whole. But there is a pretty good moment where Kumail finds uh, a piece of paper at a scene that they're at. And he goes, I did a clue. And that to me really, it was the exact same energy when James picked up a box and said, maybe this is something. This is um, cute though, because the box is like, um, like um, drink umbrellas from like specific times in his life, which I actually thought was really cute. I'm like, oh, because that's something weird and sentimental I would do. So I'm just like, that's kind of sweet. Uh, it's like when people hold on to like corks from like their engagement parties or yes. something. I have yeah. like yeah. rocks from every single place we've been. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, fault them on it. I it, but the notes that are attached to them are kind of odd. Like it, it does this thing that happens a lot with Jacoby's character, especially through this stretch of the story, where it's just like it walks this line of like kind of endearingly weird, but also super bizarre and not quite appropriate. It's <laughs> uh, it's just kind of his whole vibe at the moment. So they're rooting around, and yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, Donna triggers like music and she's like what do i do and he's like hit the button again which makes it louder and then they freak out even more which is dumb to me because i feel like you would hit it a third time it's like a light like dim they're off <laughs> well, right like why wouldn't you just keep hitting it <laughs> well well the setup is also really strange like I, I buy for a second that they're acting like idiots when they come in because it makes sense that they're these teenagers just broke into this adult's apartment and they're like uh, actually, we don't know anything about investigating stuff. And so I like the idea that they're kind of in over their head. And that works for me for a minute until Donna just walks up, sees this weird panel on the wall, and just starts pushing buttons. And he's like, oh, oh, God, I've triggered something. Like, yeah, of course you did. <laughs> what did you think that was going to do? It's super strange. Uh, they freak out. And then James is like, oh, obviously this mixing table is how you turn it off. And he, like, pulls out the volume by his dad. It's like, so weird. It's very bizarre. It's a strange thing. Um, it's so stupid. And then, uh, then they notice the coconut. And of course, Laura had this like clue about this coconut. And they're like, yeah, this is it. And they open it up and there's, uh, sorry, I'm opening a drink. Just loud noises during our party. Um, there's like the tape and, the, and Laura's half of the necklace that's missing. And they're like, got him. Mm -hmm. Well, Laura's, Laura's half the necklace that they buried out in the Oh, that's uh, right, that's right, woods. that's right. So it's a, it is a particularly relevant clue to them. And um, the missing tape that it, it they is, had. It was done. very nice of Jacoby to, like, wrap up that clue in the most conspicuous possible way. And also literally wrap the last tape up with the necklace so that there Try would to keep be all no, this incriminating evidence in one tight package. Just in, case. <laughs> in one tight package that clearly demonstrates their association together. Like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Very helpful. Thanks, Dr. J. <laughs> so they think they got him, so they leave. And then as they're uh, going away... Bobby emerges from the bushes and he's like, I did it. I did it. 
James is going down. Yeah, and um, well, I, and particularly as James uh, drives away, he makes a uh, little gesture to demonstrate how he's got him. Uh, I wonder if we'll feel weird about that when we get to Fire oh, Walk sure. with Me, the movie <laughs> prequel. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, might. we might. We might. Um. So, so obviously, from the last episode, we saw that James planted drugs in. Um. I mean, Bobby has planted drugs in James's motorcycle, so he's something is brewing there. Um. Now we go to the fucking gazebo. It's like, <laughs> it's like every fucking episode, this goddamn gazebo. This gazebo will never go away. We get the name too. It's the gazebo in Easter Park. <laughs> I, I believe it's the first time they've identified it by name, but uh, this gazebo is, is here to stay <laughs> as part of this series. How many gazebos does Twin Peaks have that they're like, I and mean, it's like a population of four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like right. you still have to specify what gazebo The gazebo in what. Easter Park. Easter Park. I mean, maybe there's another gazebo at a different location. Western Park. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're at this gazebo, and Jacoby is like, oh my god, that's Laura, because Maddie's dressed as Laura, and she's waiting for him. And he's like creepily in the bushes, instead of just being like, hey, like, what's happening well, here? It, important to note, and it kind of got lost at the end of the last episode, in at least as far as what we were talking about, but they told him to go to a different place that was far away from all of them. And he chose instead to go where he knew the video was shot. Based right, on, from the very you know, corner his, his, like, of the CSI bottom. His CSI-ass investigation of the gazebo. So it, he's probably sneaking because he knows he's not supposed to be there and they didn't expect him to be there. But he still does seem to think that he's seeing Laura, at least at this point. Right. And as he's staring at her, he gets... Pummeled from behind. Just gets shit kicked by this dude. Um, and it's the first in a series of events we'll see in this episode where one person is sneaking and then gets caught off guard by another person who is sneaking. There's like this, <laughs> <laughs> there's like this weird trope in this episode where somebody is somewhere they're not supposed to be and they're trying to be stealthy. And then some other person who's also not supposed to be there gets to jump on them. It's very I funny. I, I think I said last episode or maybe even two episodes ago that everyone is spying on everyone else. Like yeah. that's like a Russian. It really, really comes spies. together in this particular episode. And it's, there, there's a lot going on in this episode as the end of season one, uh, where they're very much doing the, please let us keep making this show yeah. thing, where absolutely every plot thread turns into some weird cliffhanger in a bizarre way. Um, some of them very uncomfortable, but we've got time. <laughs> we'll yeah. <get> there. <laughs> so Jacoby gets his ass kicked and then, Someone's just like beating the shit out of him. And he turns over and he's like, uh, Laura, uh, and he has like a heart attack. And right. he pulls up on his eye for like 48 yes. straight Yeah, seconds. yeah, I, I made a big note about this too. Um, it's not, they sort of explained what this was supposed to communicate to us later in the episode, but in the moment, it's very weird. Like, <laughs> it just sort of, he's like having a heart attack as a result of this attack. He winds up in the hospital later. If you're listening to this, you've probably seen the episode. So spoiler, he's still alive at the end of the episode. But like the way the camera just decides to communicate this to us by zooming in super slowly on his face for an extended period of time <laughs> without end. It's just like, 
and and nothing in the actual shot itself is communicating what's happening. And then it <laughs> slowly fades into the like roulette wheel at One Eyed Jacks where uh, Ed and Coop are still doing their undercover thing. And it's just what? <laughs> it just it takes them so what? much time, especially for an episode that. And as I was rewatching this one, my girlfriend was like. Jesus, there's so many characters in the show. And there really is. There's so many characters, and they're bringing together so many plot points in this episode, but they're like, no, we need almost a minute of screen time to show Jacoby's eyeball during the scene. It's such a choice. Uh, okay, so we're at One-Eyed Jacks, and yeah, they're still doing their gambling undercover thing. Jacques is there. Uh, we got the floozies, as I like to call them, hitting on Coop. This is, okay. This woman in this burlesque outfit, comes up to him and whispers something in his ear, and he goes, maybe later. And is this the most fuckable Coop is in this show? I think so. He says, like, maybe later, like, and then he also says, thanks for asking, which yes, is I was, just like, <laughs> I was watching it, and I was like, oh my. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's really good. The tux, <laughs> the glasses. Right. Yeah, he his, his, like, his whole, like, nice. demeanor in that scene. Yeah, it's it's real good it's, yeah, it's real strong there it's just like wild for me I'm like, oh my God. and then ed is wandering around in the background with his weird cowboy suit it's and like fake mustache and hair like it's so good i know we talked about this last time but i am still very tickled that ed is in a cowboy outfit with a wig and a mustache and coop put on glasses and that was coop like did yeah. the clark kent yeah <laughs> and it works this thing is like, I'm wearing a tux. You know, normally I'm wearing a suit. It's very different. <laughs> They're different. They're different things. Yeah. Uh, this is where he uh, he's chatting it up with Jacques, and um, he's inferring that he is, uh, or implying that he is, like, you know, like, connected with Leo, and Jacques is dumb. So he's like, okay. And he gives him the chip that they had found, the broken chip in Laura's stomach. Right. Is yeah. that what they thought? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, something like that. So he's like, oh my, because he immediately knows. He's like, oh, this was in her stomach. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, let's chat, chat it up later. Uh, let's get some cocktails. Right. Um, it's pretty quick. They're yeah, setting so, something up here. Yeah, yeah. So we get back to that pretty quickly, but there's an insert scene here briefly between Audrey and Blackie that is sort of, it's mostly about style, but it's setting up what's going on here where. Audrey's now decked out in the uh, One-Eyed Jacks uniform of sorts. Um, she's got, uh, Blackie lays out some cards on the table and asks her to pick one. We'll see what that's about later. Uh, it doesn't pay off in a super important way, the card itself, but it does play into what happens with her here. But what is interesting is Audrey notices on the closer pit uh, that's watching the gambling pit, she notices Coop there and probably thinks he received her letter, and that's why he's here he's there. coming yeah. after her. Uh, her letter, again, that we have not read yet, but we saw her shove it under the door when she decided she was going to take this undercover, undercover move upon herself. Um, so she probably thinks, oh, good, this is working the way I want it to. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out for Audrey. <laughs> we come back to Coop and Jacques, and... Coop calls Leo a low rent hump. <laughs> so 
funny to me. Oh my, that's an incredible, um, an incredible insult. I'm going to start using pretty and, much. And you know, David Lynch wrote that. It's like nobody else on earth talks like that. No, <laughs> not even an actual 1940s baseball announcer <laughs> that he seems to have crafted his <laughs> speaking persona based on. Um, they chat for a while, and, and Coop implies that he is connected with Leo on like a higher level, and this and that, and that he has a job across the border for Jacques. Um, I mentioned, I noticed this before we get into all the stuff that Jacques says. Uh, he has this, this is like a classy joint, right? Like one eye jacks. Like there's like money involved. There's like burlesque people. There's obviously like prostitution happening there's gambling but his name tag is just one of those like hi my name is Jock, with like yeah. <laughs> written on it like they couldn't even spring for a good fucking name tag for their their roulette well, guy and or also, whatever he writes his actual name on his name badge dealing at this like <laughs> fucking like uh under like, like this like underground secret. yeah this like secret or like essentially it's a brothel yeah right? yeah I, yeah Super I, illegal game. Like, I'm sure they don't have permits. Yeah, for, the, yeah, for any of what's going jack. on there. Yeah. And they try to keep the operation hush-hush in general, it seems. So the whole the whole thing is really bizarre. It's <laughs> a weird... It's just like, by the way, I'm the guy you're looking for, written, like, directly on his name. <laughs> there's always one thing in these episodes that I'm just like, what? Like, there's super focus on that isn't really important, but, like, just... But, like, is... Me. Yeah, it, it, it's really funny. I think, I think that stuff tends to stand out on, in the show because... Lynch's stuff is always so very crafted and deliberate, even when it doesn't make sense. But then some of the like small bits of details in the set dressing and stuff that probably he's not paying that much attention to, nobody on the set is really paying that much attention to, and it gets in the final cut and you go, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> All right. Yeah. It, At this yeah. point you have to be like, I trust you. I trust you know what you're doing. Right, right, right. Um, we get into this conversation about <clears throat> this chip and, and Laura, if if you want to take it away, Chris, for a bit. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to recount everything that happens here because it's not new information to us, really, at this point. It's just kind of confirming what the cops have suspected since they broke into that cabin and got the minor bird and all of that. Uh, but Jacques spells it out for us pretty explicitly here yeah. that uh, he and Leo and possibly some other people involved in this were doing some kind of prostitution, drug use, something involving uh, Laura and Ronette. It seems like they were also involved in the placing of the Flesh World ads that has been their sort of key lead in all of this up to this point. Um, Jock goes into like really creepy detail about specifically what happened at his cabin the night of Laura's death. Um, and we um, seems to take great relish in it. Um, it's important plot-wise for him to recount the stuff because A, it suggests he was with them on the night of the murder, but not when the murder took place because he essentially says, oh, me and Leo got in a fight and I got drunk and passed out. Um, yeah. And doesn't seem to be bullshitting. And later on, Coop will say, I think Jacques is too dumb to be lying about what he told me. So <laughs> right. um, for, for what it's worth, it feels like we can take it on his word that he was involved in the illegal stuff going on with Laura, but not necessarily involved in her murder. Um, Essentially, yeah, he, he, he mentions that like she was tied up when the bird attacked 
and that like she was like into that kind of thing but when like the bird started pecking at her and like he just becomes this disgusting story about this yeah and, and leo putting the chip in her mouth and saying bite the bullet baby and they like close up to his gross mouth it was really gross and, like, and he's like sticking down. his tongue out a lot and like um what's important here is is sorry <laughs> no, 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 no. sorry i'll edit that no, 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 no. um <laughs> we uh what's important here about that i think is uh we get it on the wire right coops got the wire out to hawk he's basically right. picking up the whole thing so we have what is tantamount to a confession on Jacques' part here. Um, I also appreciate that Dale is like disgusted. He's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. He seems very creepy. He seems it. like he wants to just hit him, and then he's like, "Oh, thanks for clearing that up." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like in a like. Um, Coops, so, uh, probably should have mentioned this when I started going to what Jack said, but Coop's play here is that he's basically like, hi, I'm the money guy. I work with Leo. Uh, That's why you can trust me with these details. And oh, by the way, I'm setting up another job for tonight, but Leo's indisposed. So uh, I'm coming to you directly on this occasion. Um, Jacques seems to just buy it. Uh, Sure, all right. Yeah, all right, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Which seems to be a combination of Jacques being easily played and Coop being pretty convincing in his role here. which to some degree he is. I mean, you would think Jock would be more suspicious, but whatever. Um, not a lot going on in that dude's head. It doesn't seem like. Nope. Um, we, what else? Oh, I was going to say another small detail in this scene is, is so Coop sets up the details for like, here's, I'm running another shipment over the border. Here's where you got to meet me to pick it up later. Jock is like, great. He like chugs a whole beer, puts it down. Um, then we cut to another camera angle and the beer is half full again. So <laughs> that's, a, that's another fun little continuity guy in there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else important to grab? Not really. Me? It's just yeah. that's how the chip got broken, whatever. it's like How the chip got broken, it confirms a lot of the details about the cabin incident and it sets up what's going to happen with, uh, um, with Jacques in a couple scenes here. Yeah. Um, I think from here we go to the Shelly Leo house, right? This scene. Yeah. First of all, do they not have a bathroom? Because she's washing her hair so, in the sink. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm wondering the same thing. Um, my first thought was, is there something I don't remember from the prior episode about why she might be doing this this way? But that doesn't seem right. Is but it because also- they're... Is it because their house is like constantly? It's like always under construction and in some state of major disarray. Like, oh, the symbolism that their marriage is broken. I get from the (laughs) twisted mind of David Lynch. (laughs) But I'm like, okay, she's washing her hair in the sink, which is an obnoxious thing to try to do. But she's doing it with her gun next to her. Why? Why? Like, is she honestly thinking, like, I'm so scared for my life that as I'm my waist long hair I might be able to grab the gun next to the sink and fire at somebody attacking me it's so stupid to me well I mean to be, fair, gun she's, to be fair she's not successful but she is right about that well, yes. but it's still just like like hide the gun and then like yeah harder for someone else to get the gun. Yeah, it, and worth noting, it doesn't seem to help her at all to have the gun on hand. Uh, the way Leo announces his secret presence here is to, like, 
yank the towel out of her hands, but the gun is still right there, and she still doesn't <laughs> succeed in getting to it. Like, it's the whole thing is like a really odd choice. Like, if I'm Leo, I probably grab the gun, right? Like, I'm not gonna take that chance. Right. I don't know. He's also not super bright, but he seems to be capable in situations of violence up until now, but. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. Innocent. He was right too. She doesn't get to the gun fast enough. No, she doesn't. Maybe her. if she had showered in the fucking bathroom, <laughs> this would have been an issue. Uh, honestly, every time I see a gun near a sink, I think of where my mom will shoot. Remember that movie? With like, <laughs> I remember it. I don't remember that scene. There's a, there's a scene where she like washes his mom washes his gun in the sink oh he's like, yes he's like you washed funny. my gun and she's like it was dirty and he's like it's gonna explode when i use it now and like i was like is she gonna wash it like you know for a second i'm like what is she doing here and then i'm like oh she's choosing at three in the afternoon to wash her fucking hair in the sink like a weirdo uh yeah. it's just we- it's a weird setup like she could have just been sitting next to the tv like dozing or something that would have yeah. been 100% more everything beautiful. strange about it it seems to revolve cinematically around the scene choice they have of him like slowly pulling the towel out of her reach yeah which yeah. is is a cool shot i guess but it then creates this whole scene that makes no sense, no sense. from like a narrative standpoint so i don't know and uh, he's like i'm gonna eat. and of course he's like ah. he's like you broke my heart Bleh. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you oh. love love the disingenuous leo shit about like uh, you broke my heart, but there's a couple of cut-ins before we get back to that. Um, okay. We, we cut I wasn't away sure when, if that happened. Yeah, yeah, so we cut away right when he grabs her, essentially, and we go to uh, the scene that um, Coop has lured Jacques into. We've got Harry and Andy in the car. Nobody you want in a firefight like Andy, right? <laughs> Except that it turns out he totally owns <laughs> <laughs> after this like this this plot point that has extended over the course of the eight episodes of season one that Andy does not know how to use his firearm. <laughs> uh, but what happens, the actual blocking of the action is Jacques shows up at his plan. Uh, Harry and a couple of ra- rando policemen uh, drive in on him. They all get out. But in Jacques takes like an opportune moment to sort of grab one of the other guy's guns and he puts it on Harry and Andy just like It's like <laughs> and then they turn and Andy's like with the face of a fucking stone cold motherfucker like, right there. <laughs> I fucking just, did it. Yeah. <laughs> I iced him, man. Like I got that guy. Um uh, he doesn't kill Jacques, he just shoots him. Does not he Important. just incapacitates him to drop the weapon and very cool guy what like says harry you better call that ambulance good for you andy uh so he's he's going through a hard time in his relationship and he's taking it out on uh on the citizenry which uh brings pretty pretty hard right now but at least we know Jacques is actually a bad guy (laughs) yeah and andy's a good guy and andy's a good guy so uh it's a, yeah, it's a quick scene, but you know they get him. So they get him. Andy saves the day. Uh, now we're gonna cut to uh, we're gonna cut to Donna's house, yes. and they are they have the tape. Maddie, James, and Donna are going to listen to this missing tape, see if it tells them anything about anything. So I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I cannot stand Laura's voice. It sounds like she's reading off a cue card. It's very annoying to me. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and, I need everyone I mean, to know that. We, we've now been very clear about this plot point, so I don't know if part of the idea is that she's supposed to be on drugs when she records this or whatever. It definitely doesn't sound like somebody on drugs, but maybe that is the idea behind it. I don't know. It's very annoying. We have heard this particular tape before. It's the one Jacoby is listening to at the end of like episode two or three or something. Um, so this the tape itself is not new. It's the one where she's talking about how James is dumb um, and so she's sleeping with other dudes. And like, how peak James is it for him to have to stand here and listen to him, like <laughs> listen to her call him dumb and talk about how she's, like sleeping around on him while he just stands there looking very morose. And, like, like you can James... see his forehead expanding. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> like James is so dumb. He's like the dumbest. Yeah. Like think about the dumbest person you know and then like four times that is James. Yeah. Uh, um okay. I have to say Fritz was like, I actually feel bad for James in this scene. Like, this is like breaking my heart. It's, it's pretty like, sad. It um, is sad, but like, don't feel bad for James. Yeah, James sucks, man. He <laughs> well, deserves this. Yeah, yeah. He's going to retroactively deserve it in the very near future. But before we get to that, we just, it is kind of heartbreaking. And James kind of responds to it in a way that's kind of sad and empathy generating, where he's like, no, I think it's like, I think it's like good. The, I heard this, um, but I will say that seeing him in this house with Maddie and Donna and the comfy sweaters, all I can think is how close, how We're very, so close. very, very close we are to just you. We're so um, close. Can't I wait. Can't... can't wait to perform a cover of that. For I think we should. I honestly think we should. We'll get the music and we, we can sing. And uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about yet, you'll see. Buckle up. <laughs> it's shit is gonna get real. Um, uh, Laura's talking about all this stuff in this. She's talking about like this like BDSM stuff she likes. She's like, oh, I like it raw, this and that. And she keeps saying mystery man. Yeah. And she says it so much that it reminds me of that scene in The Simpsons when he's like, stop saying Hawaii in there. I was like, stop saying mystery, man. You're being really annoying right now. It, it reminds um, me of how in Austin Powers, he repeatedly refers to himself as the international man of mystery or whatever. Uh, she says, um, you know, she's like, oh, this guy, he's like, like, he really gets my mortar running or whatever the fuck she says. And she yeah. mentions that he has a red Corvette. So yeah. that's yeah we know who has a red corvette mm. well everyone remembers <laughs> i hope we're all on top of this one we're just bringing it all together yeah okay so from here we cut back to leo at and shelly's altercation here where he's just like sort of screaming this disingenuous stuff about you broke my heart like after we've seen him like wailing on her and stuff forever um it's you know, it's peak Leo. He's just being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's not a lot more to say about it, except that he's taking her prisoner and he's dragging her off somewhere, and we're going to see... Uh, wait, is this when he's... Actually, I'm sorry. Is this when he's actually setting her up? At the, yeah, uh, she's tied yeah, up. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because okay, I, so have, that's right. yeah. I have as a note, he's like, you have an hour to, like, whatever, and I'm going to kill Bobby. Yeah. And he has this, that's like, right. That's right. gadget yeah. that's, like, 
very like, okay, like when the hour's up, this is going to do something. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but are we as viewers supposed to believe that he's smart enough to come up with like an electrical gadget that after an hour does literally anything? Like, yeah, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. believe this. I don't, I don't know that we're supposed to believe he is, but we are definitely supposed to believe somebody in the Harry Dingus slash uh, um, Ben Horn slash uh, Any like, of those axis of oh. evil there, like, is supposed to, like, have come up with this. I mean, but I, I them... maintain that he's, like, not even that smart enough to understand that. I'm no, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that definitely seems iffy. <laughs> so uh so yeah she's tied up and he's it's like, also really funny that it's not like a bomb like you you could definitely see this guy like oh i bought i bought some chemicals and i made a homemade but it's like no it's like a contraption that's designed like, like, like that started with timer. a kitchen timer yeah yeah it's, it's <laughs> looking some, at like, it now goldberg like <laughs> mousetrap the board game looking ass thing that like i yeah, I don't know what's up with that. It's it's very David Lynch. It's very funny. Um, I don't know if it makes any sense with the Leo character. But. There's a an alarm clock, like an old like uh, '80s era alarm clock that's hooked into a kitchen timer. So I don't know what one is supposed to do with the other. And I think I'm sure there is probably they're yeah, both supposed to ring when something yeah. <laughs> different rings. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. real special. Um, I think it's from here that we go to Nadine. We uh, do, and this is a really sad scene. Yeah, it's a really effectively sad thing scene. I think because we're so trained already with Nadine that when we see her doing something weird, it's like, what goofy thing is she doing next? So she's yeah. like in a frilly dress and she has a blanket down. And it's like, what's Nadine doing? This is going to be so funny. And then she, she starts said- just like pouring multiple types of pills into a bowl. And it's like, oh. Oh, no. Yeah, she's got like a picnic blanket out. She's making like an like an event out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so sad. There's like this sad music. And she's like, you know, like, goodbye. She's like drinking down all these pills. And it's like, it is jarring because we are so used to Nadine yeah. being kind of fucking ridiculous. So and this it's is very humanizing of Nadine. Very humanizing of her, and it's an example of what Lynch does well when he sets up these sort of like tropey, kind of corny characters, and then something happens, and you're like, "Oh no, this is not uh, this is not what I thought this was going to be." And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know it it even having seen the series, knowing everything that we've got coming with this, it still hits hard to see that. Sad, yeah, it's super sad. Um, from here we go to. Harry and Josie, and I'm going to admit to you both that I completely spaced out during this scene. Um, <laughs> Again, is... none of this stuff interests me, and I something distracted me, and then I was like, oh shit, I didn't watch like one fucking second of that scene. Yeah, I wrote, so, I don't know what's happening, blood brother. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the upshot of this scene is basically that Harry is like, you know, I agreed to help you out with this whole, uh, you know, double, triple, whatever crossing thing Josie's doing. We still don't quite know. And we, still don't quite, we still don't quite know by the end of this episode. We do eventually have more coming from this, but we know that she's more involved in this whatever deal with Horn, Catherine, the uh, attempt to burn down the mill, etc. than we initially did. And Harry is 
somehow part of the engineering of that, or he's maybe he's middlemanning the deal between her and Ben, even though her and Ben have interacted. I don't know. It's not exactly clear how the pieces fall. We do see what Harry's role in it is soon enough here. But um, basically the upshot is that he's like, I accepted this deal when I was in prison because I felt like I needed to have something to come out to and some guarantee of money coming in. Um, but this is a big ask, and now I'm feeling kind of like you took advantage of me, so I'm going to try to strong-arm you into being like, hey, when I need something down the road, like, we're going to keep doing together. Like, this, this shit doesn't end when I complete the job and you give me the money, essentially. So where that goes from here, we'll see more about. But this is another one of these scenes that's just way too long. Like, when you're, when yeah. you're like, I spaced out on it. Like, he just goes on and on and on about, you know, I was reading philosophy when I was in prison. And it's like, what, dude? <laughs> I mean, it, it fits in with Harry's whole bit where he's, like, he's really, he's not that smart of a guy. He's kind of a small-time criminal, but he Wait. is good at playing people against each other. But, man, does he want people to think he's smart. Like, we keep saying Harry, but it's Hank. Oh, Hank. Jesus. Oh, sorry, because I'm saying Harry Truman. See, I write Dickus <laughs> in the notes now because of you so really I'm this sorry is yeah sorry, <laughs> I wrote Harry sorry. so no, this is, that's this how is much important. I was paying attention to the scene yeah, I th- really thought it this was is Harry. important actually because Harry has a different relationship with Josie I'm sorry yeah. I mean Hank in this scene yeah. uh Hank's Ugh. whole deal about like he's he's trying to play everybody against each other but he's also like more interested in seeming smart than he is in actually doing the smart thing in any situation. And I think that comes back a couple times in this episode. So absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll have more to talk about with that, but Hank has like two, just two long scenes in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Not and, and a couple of other scenes he's peripherally involved with. So, um, there, there will be more to say there. I want to yeah. move on from this one because it's- Real quick before we move on, I just appreciate the framing. I'm going to send a photo, a screenshot to you guys because I'm watching along as we do this. Uh, the framing of the antlers behind his head as he's threatening her. Oh, that's well, I really funny. That. Yeah, yeah. I'll he send that. You can tweet that out. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. Um, oh, wow. I that's really good. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. Do you right. get the symbolism? Oh, my God. <laughs> So I've been asking myself. <laughs> so good. And he cuts her finger. Her, like, they do like a blood brother. Creepy blood brother and then, thing. It's and then she like wipes it on her mouth. Mouth, like yeah. Sick, and I'm it's like, like, ew, that's gross. Like, you're, you're both so weird and gross. I did write here that they're kind of like a super group of weird jerks. Like when these two are working together. Usually like, Team Josie. But yeah, usually yeah. I am. But this is kind of where she starts to get more complicated. And yeah. also like. Her involvement at this point and with this guy is like, I, I don't care really how you're framing this. Like, this sucks. So. Yeah, it's like a yeah. 90-minute long scene. Okay. Um, We're going to move on to Catherine. Get a much funnier or Pete. at least more interesting scene here with Catherine and Pete. Uh, Catherine is melting down because she cannot find her ledger. Uh, do you want to take this over since I rambled through that other scene? Uh yeah, I mean, basically, Catherine is, like, imploring. She's like, I know that our relationship is a train wreck, but I need you to help me. I still love you. We were young once. We were passionate. And, uh, I mean, God bless Jack Nance. He's amazing. Yeah, he's so incredible. But I need to tell you something, and it may or may not ruin him for you uh, like it did for Fritz. Oh, no. But the way he moves and the way he, like, like bugs out his eyes and says stuff is very much like Bruce McCulloch from 
Um, <laughs> uh, kids in the hall. Kids in the hall. Kids in the hall. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, and and once I saw that, I was like, oh, now I oh, can't that, unsee- You know, that really, because this scene also has this like kind of mild physical comedy element where there's these like workers around that are trying to like nose into the business of yeah. the argument and Nance has to keep walking around like shutting the blinds and stuff. It's an almost like sketch comedy. There's a lot of physical comedy yeah, yeah. in this. And then, uh, but I was like, oh, that reminded me of Bruce. And then once I I was like, oh, no. I should not have said that. Can't I be unseen. Yeah, I, I don't it. know. I, I think I think my attachment to the Pete character is a little deeper than that to be ruined by that, but I definitely see what you're saying. <laughs> I genuinely love Jack Nance. Yeah. Um, God bless him. R.I.P. But they're, and, and honestly, they're both very good in this scene. She's, they're, yeah. She's, they're, you know, playing off of this like long time emotion that they have with each other, even though you can tell she doesn't give a fuck about him. And He's like, ah, oh, I love you. And then they do this like hugging and she's like, mm, like yeah. patting him over the shoulder. Like, oh, fuck, I gotta like. Yeah, yeah. everything in this scene, and it's mostly on the strength of the actors here, I think everything in the scene comes across that you need to. You can, you see Catherine like manipulating him, but also seeing that it is a manipulation. Uh, you can see, you know, um, Pete is himself, although he is a simple guy, he's also his hesitance is there. He knows, like, I know who this woman is. I know she's probably playing me somehow, but also he wants things to be better. So he's going to go for that if he can. And like, I think all of that comes through. It's, it's kind of, it's a little bit funny. It's a little bit sad. It's a little bit awkward. Like it, it's got a bit of everything. In that yeah. Scene. This I is really a great like scene. It. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. We go to the police station. Yes. Um, but Andy's like the fucking hero. Yeah, yeah. And Hawk is like, it, it seems the implication later is that he set this up on purpose, kind of. But Hawk is like, kind of set up a raucous retelling of Andy's hero moment where he can like sort of talk about how he just like got that motherfucker when he was going after Harry and like he's doing it as Lucy walks by and she's kind of like listening with interest and, um, you know, Hawk sees that she's listening with interest and she goes around the corner and he's like, Andy, like, now's your chance, man. Like, right. it's whatever is happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. This so, relationship we're not privy to for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, he yeah, goes so, over to her where the, you know, there's like a little kind of like kitchenette area. And like, of course, like, she's like, oh, he's a hero, whatever. And they're smooching. And then... <laughs> Lucy's like, Andy, I'm pregnant. And he, he is like, uh. And he walks back out of the kitchenette area where you can like do like the sliding door close. And he's just like, close. <laughs> like, like, like a 50-yard stare. Like just like the man's mind has been bombed out or something. Um, and then shortly after, she kind of storms out pretty pissed off. Um, yeah, that was probably not the reaction she wanted. She wanted and also, and, this closes the mystery of who, what was the doctor telling her last? Right. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. And and but it also asks us to wonder something about Andy, you know, because he seems like a really nice, affable guy, and then suddenly, like confronted with this, he kind of just goes dead inside. Um, is is it because he's not ready for this responsibility? Is it because? Um, 
you know, there could be more to this story that we haven't heard yet. Could this mystery involve men's fashion in some way? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we'll get to it eventually. It's gonna happen. Uh, um, okay, so now we're gonna move from that to, I have Leo. Oh, uh, what, what is happening here? So we're at the hospital, which is where all the plot lines sort of begin to converge suddenly. Um, we cut to the hospital and uh, we've got Coop and Harry standing over Jacques, who's just kind of like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm shot now. I'm just going to keep spilling the beans at this point. So. But wait, but wait, before that happens, Bobby calls the police station. And pretends to oh, be. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I yeah. missed that. I couldn't read my note here. Yeah. But he said he calls the police station to like call in this tip about James like having Coke in his car, in right. his motorcycle. And he's, he's like, imitating oh. Leo. He's like, hello, my name is Leo Johnson. I believe you have a letter for me. Like, it's just like very like bad. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah. like, why would he, why would Leo call and be like, Hi, I'm Leo, a guy that you know as a criminal. Yeah, and I yeah, want yeah. you to know that this is like that. Right, right. But it, it is, it does kind of set up the circumstances there where Lucy's like pissed. She picks up the phone, like, what? You know, when he calls <laughs> yeah. the police station. So, like, she's not really paying attention. So she's like, oh, Leo called. He's fine. Leo called, whatever. James, James has drugs in his like motorcycle. And then literally, James walks up <laughs> and he's like, he's like, hey, uh, uh, Harry, I need to talk to you. <laughs> I just got a call about you. Weird. Um, but yeah, then we do go to the hospital. Um, and this yeah. is like, uh, this is like where, this is where he explains that it was Laura's idea for the ads in Flesh World uh, and that Leo and Jacques ended up fighting with each other and uh, he was so drunk he ends up passing out and when he wakes up, everybody's gone. So he like doesn't really know what happened after this like tryst that he had like with with uh Laura and Renette and and Leo he says he had to like walk 15 miles back home or something like that right. so um so they get like more ex expansion on the on the Laura angle of Jacques and like, how something strange must have transpired with other people yeah. after Jacques' involvement ended. Uh, this is where we get that bit where Coop is like, no, I believe that he's telling the truth. And even though it's kind of like a cheap move to sort of write that off as like, okay, this character's part in this is over. Um, I, I think it does work on the level of that we know that Coop has like kind of a sixth sense about this stuff. If he says we can believe this guy, we probably know as the audience that we can, you know? Yeah. A bit of a bit of a like a meta thing going on with the way that's handled um we've also got at the same time this is where we see J that jacoby is wound up here and we get the clarification that he had a heart attack as a result of his attack but he's doing okay now um who called it in yeah i don't know <laughs> who's he maybe, this maybe his assailant maybe his assailant <laughs> when he saw he was having a heart attack he's like oh shit, shit. I, feel bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to kill him like jeez I'm gonna um, beat him up a little. Yeah. Like, uh, um, yeah. So the, it's a quick thing where they're like, he had a heart attack. Like, there's not, there's not much there. So, uh, so he's alive. I, I think this is where we get to. We're at the um, P 
Pete and Catherine house and they're like throwing stuff off the bookshelves <laughs> looking for the sledger. Like, oh, yeah. Where is it? It's very like <laughs> Looney Tunes where they're just like throwing stuff over their shoulders. Um, Pete gets distracted by a high school yearbook and like se- so cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like seemingly creeping on people in there. She's like then Catherine gets a phone call that like uh it's we see that it's from um it's from Hank. Not Dingus, not Harry, it's from Hank. Hank. <laughs> uh, where he's like, Oh, your your ledger's at the it's at the, at the mill. mill. And she's like, What do you want? And he's like, Oh, I'll let you know what we want later. And then is she's this like, another one of those situations where like is Hank fucking psychic? Because he called Josie as she yeah, yeah. He, just about the, phones though. Yeah, <laughs> just, only phones. just when he knows people are right next to a phone and he needs to tell he's them like, something. Oh shit, I gotta call. He's like, yeah. Oh, I know they're ransacking it. It's weird. like like what is this weird sixth sense he has about people like doing things that he needs to call them about and involve himself with? It's just like a weird thing. Yeah, very um, very strange trope with Hank, and it's not even over for this particular episode yet. But <laughs> um, I know that's the thing. This, this is Hank heavy. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. Um, so we got, we get that, and then Catherine goes, is like, all right, I gotta go get this thing, and the way she- fucking yearbook down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and so she goes into her desk and pulls out a cute little revolver that she starts putting bullets into, and I was gonna say, is there like a whole cottage industry in Twin Peaks that's like making adorable tiny pistols for women? Like, <laughs> because it's like, it's like such a thing. <laughs> It's like a small mom and pop shop, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Penelope picks like out pistols, yeah, doing some like silversmithing or whatever. I don't know. It is kind of funny. Love it's it. Like, it's like great. It's like, like, everybody has these tiny, elegant pistols. Like whenever there's a gun on the screen. The women Except in the for, show are not and allowed to like, have like comically large, like dirty, hairy revolver that he had, which I forgot to mention during that shooting scene earlier. <laughs> like it's like the women are not allowed to have like a three fifty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they have to have this like little like West World. Yeah, and, and likewise, the guys have to be armed with these guns that look like they've been like laying in the desert for fifty years. Like they can never have a shiny, well kept piece of machinery. Um, um, all this right. cuts right to Norma and Hank chatting. Uh, and so Norma- it's like, yeah. So it's essentially like Hank hangs up the phone from like blackmailing Catherine, and then he walks back into the main part of Double R to go like. Oh heck, Norma! I think things are going pretty good between us right yeah, now. Turn around. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be our year. Like straight up sociopath stuff. Um, but I have to say, she looks so beautiful in the scene. I mean, she's I'm amazing in the show. Norma stand, but she just she's a gorgeous woman. Anyway, yeah. in this scene in particular, she's watching him, and I was very struck by how beautiful she looked. Yeah, like, she she does a lot. Radiant, of, yeah, yeah. No one talking to an asshole. Just doing a lot of good, like, face acting in the like, scene where you very get her energy of, like, I don't believe you, and I shouldn't believe you, but I want to believe you, and there is the problem, you know? <laughs> like, that comes across really well. Hank Steele reads is very phony, and you get the sense that she thinks it's at least somewhat phony, but because she would like it to be true, yeah. it's kind of, like... Uh, it's like kind of sketchy territory. He's like, I, things I, are getting better. Just give me time. Yeah, yeah. Just it's like, but we literally know he just hang up the phone from like organizing <laughs> weird triple crossing crimes. So it's it's really kind of a weird vibe there. Um, well, 
Norma, as soon as my crimes are done, yeah. <laughs> doing crimes, things will be good for us. The next 20 years are going to oh, be Oh, heck, as soon as I wrap up doing these crimes. <laughs> Gotta do some crimes. Let's keep the mood up by cutting to Ed and Norma's house right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hilarious scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is sad. This is Very sad. sad. Heartbreaking. Um... um this, this is another one of those scenes that really pays off on the work they've done on the Nadine character and the Ed character where what you know about their situation and the way he's decided to sort of stay with her, feeling responsible for her well-being and so forth and um, him coming back from doing this undercover thing and finding her in the state and his genuine distress about it and her passed out. We don't know what's going on with her or what's going to happen with her going forward. It's very sad. It is um, sad. He calls 911. He's like, my wife has taken some pills. He's, he's like, you better, better hurry the fuck up. Like, <laughs> you, you gotta get here now. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, though, something not lost on me is um, that she's right next to the exercise equipment when she passes out I here. noticed I was, that, too. Wonder, wonder if there's something going on with that there. Um, we'll see. Um, I, yeah, I definitely noticed the staging of this scene. It's it's sad. It's quick. He calls nine one one. He you know talks to her to try to wake her up or at least keep her with us as people. Um, we cut from this sad scene to Leland, who's always just a barrel fucking yeah. laugh. Yeah, <laughs> barrel monkeys on this show. So I'm going to be honest. I don't. I don't remember what the context of him being there because now I'm. I, the context I just of Leland, and then I went to yeah, Dean, so. The Context of him being there is that he has somehow heard that they've taken somebody into custody around the murder of Laura Palmer thing. Oh, this okay. Somebody being Jacques, and he's like, "You found her murderer," and he, Harry's like. He's a suspect. He's not just just chill. Like we're we're working on the we're working the leads. We're doing the we're doing the work. There's a <laughs> like, process, Leland. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then Leland is like, uh, is like, oh, okay. And then the doctor goes by. And he's like, hey, doc, are you going back to the hospital? He's like, no, nah, I'm going back home. And he's like, okay, good. I was just asking for no reason. If literally you were just be around the patient, just for no reason, literally at all, to see if you're going to be there. Um, and so here, immediately following that, Leland bails out. And this is when James just is like, hi, I'm James. Like, right after Lucy is reporting to... Uh, I'm James. You may have heard a thing yeah, about this, me. Right <laughs> as Lucy is reporting to Terry and Coop that James, that they got a tip that James has been carrying drugs. Um, so Cooper's like, oh, I'll take James. And then he kind of like looks at Harry and Harry goes out the door. We know that this is probably him going to search the vehicle, but Coop takes him into the room and James just fucking folds when the Cooper is like, hey, uh, so you know what was going on with Dr. Jacoby tonight? Because he's in the hospital now. <laughs> and he's like, you know, it was me, it was me, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just like, Maddie up. Yeah. We yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> broke into the van. Yeah, yeah. There was a music that was playing. It was too loud. Yeah. The weird umbrellas. Yeah. I don't know. doesn't quite go into that detail, but no, very I know. close. Very close. Might he, as well have. Yeah, just totally honestly. just owns himself there. Like when he was like, "Hey, we solved the mystery," and Coop's like, uh, "You may have killed Doctor Jacoby." <laughs> and he's like, I mean, just, just putting it out there. Oh, he, oh like, no! It's like, okay. <laughs> uh, you're like way over your head with this. And then of course Harry comes back in the room with the drugs he's found in uh, James's bike, and James gets his face look on his face like, 
oh wow, I'm fucked. <laughs> and then we have Coop, who goes, James, what kind of dangerous game are you playing? Yeah. And like this, again, like the most like fuckable voice of all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, why is he giving James like all this sexiness? Like, I'm like, trying to jump into the, like, I'm like, take me now, T.L. Cooper, <laughs> but he's wasting it on James. Like, what kind of dangerous game are you playing? Well, obviously several, because there's drugs, there's dead girlfriends, there's heart, sounds, heart sounds attack kind of like, therapists. Sounds kind of like a wicked game to me. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wearing my Chris Isaac shirt today, represent. Um, Incredible. Okay, so there's the coke in the Now we're going to uh, where there's yes, where they're celebrating this signing off of the Ghostwood Estate, something yeah. we have been playing up for eight boring ass episode scenes. Ghostwood stuff. I know it's important, but it bo- it bores me. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, fortunately, most of that particular plot element is coming into a head here. Yeah, we're wrapping that um, up. So Ben is getting the whoever the principal Icelander is to sign <laughs> They don't really Iceland. explain what this particular guy's role is, but he's the dude whose name is going on the paperwork. So um, he's signing the contract and we get another one of Hank's uh, incredible psychic phone calls there. Uh, as the document is being signed, they're like, Ben, we have a phone call for you. And Hank's like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm like taking care of that, uh, of the fire bug. Um, so, which is pretty obviously he means Leo since he was the one who set up the weird like Rube Goldberg dishing device. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Marbles so, are involved somehow. Yeah, so he's Hank is on the duty. It seems of of cleaning up the mess left in the in left in the wake of this whole uh, burning the mill, torching the mill thing. Uh, we cut to Bobby kicking in the door, looking for Shelly at Leo's place. Like Shelly, Shelly, where are you? And then Shelly's not there, <laughs> but. Leo is. And, With an axe. Yeah, and Bobby's like, oh, thank God, Leo, it was actually you I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Mr., I'm yeah, going to take not care very of Oh, yeah. Leo, uh, is there anything I could do to help yeah, you yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, after, right after, like, three episodes of him telling Shelly, like, don't worry, I'm going to handle this Leo situation. He's like, Leo, my best friend. Uh, totally, man. Like, hey, you know James? He sucks, right? <laughs> James? Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this this scene is strange. I mean, the way I don't know if you want to talk about how the action plays out here, but I have some questions about how it winds it's up. Weird. Well, okay, so it's weird because like he attacks him with an axe, he misses. He's like, Shelly's dead. That, that is to say, Leo's attacking Bobby. Yeah, and, and, and there's this is rolling around of the men fighting over Shelly. Rolling around of the men. Yeah, but then. <laughs> Like, I mean, I don't have much to say about the actual yeah. action, like, between them. Like, yeah. so, like so, Leo's pissed and he's trying to kill Bobby with an axe, which they, is, like, they, There's not much to say about that part, but then the way it ends is that Hank shoots, uh, Hank shoots Leo through the window, which we knew. And, and again, this is the only time Hank fucking rules is when he's beating the shit, shit. or 
Adam's Leo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I I do love that it's like two episodes ago he came here and beat the shit out of Leo, and now he just came he here like literally spilled his blood like, on him yeah, from yeah, the other right. day. <laughs> yeah, on his shirt. Um, <laughs> I just I should say I sent an excellent reaction shot of Bobby when Leo is going okay. after him with the axe. Oh, good. I'm excited to oh my God. our conversation to look at this. It's perfect. Oh, wow. Oh, that's really good. We'll be tweeting that. Um, yeah. When this goes live, we'll be tweeting. This should maybe be the profile picture <laughs> for the account. <laughs> Actually, I should. Yeah. I'll probably do um, anyway, anyway, the whole, the, the setup for this is strange to me because we know Hank is killing Leo. We know why he's killing Leo. But he can see him clearly enough through the window to shoot him with a single shot and put him down dead and feel confident about it, confident enough to walk away and not check on the scene after the fact. So he can see that he's in there fighting somebody with an axe and he's just like, even if he doesn't know it's Bobby or why Bobby's there, he's still just like, yeah, I don't care. This guy just saw me shoot him. Well, that's just actually leaves. kind of believable. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a little bit believable, but for a guy who's like, I'm trying to be sneaky about my crimes now so I don't go back to jail in my parole setup, like, it seems weird. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, not, I don't yeah, know to have a to have a witness there, like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and we see Bobby sees his face. I mean, again, yeah. maybe he doesn't know that Bobby gets a look at him, but certainly the opportunity was there, and he was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to double check that Leo's dead. I'm not going to. Yeah, he's it's it's just done. Um, uh, we cut to invitation of love is on the yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. And there's like a shooting there too, which is just, you know, one of my favorite. My favorite when, invitation to love character gets blown away. The like random like streets of rage to thug wearing like a headband or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, uh, gets shot and he makes a dying face like. <laughs> While Leo is supposed to be like actually dying watching him on TV or something. Imagine that's really the last good. thing you see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh God, so him. good. That would honestly best case scenario. Um, so we're gonna no. oh from there we're gonna go to the mill we are and this is where Catherine finds Shelly tied up gag in her mouth and Shelly's like rah, 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 rah. and Catherine says like the fucking best line of the episode I can't understand a word you're saying you have a thing in your mouth yeah yeah <laughs> it's like oh sorry yeah yeah <laughs> Then she does remove the gag, and then she's like, oh my god, like, things about to catch fire, we're gonna die. And then the contraption goes off, and the fire begins, and, and like, she's like, she's like, please, you gotta time, you gotta get out of here. And then Catherine goes, quiet, I'm thinking. <laughs> she's so amazing in this scene. Like, they're she's standing good. here, the building's on fire, Shelly's tied up. Uh, to Catherine's credit, she decides to find a random hatchet that's somewhere and get another like axe type situation happening in this um and does actually it seems like she tries to get out of there with her um yeah she actually grabs her hand and like drags her out grabs her hand and and they run through a doorway Mm -hmm. and we won't see what does or does not happen with them uh before this episode ends so we'll have to we'll have to find out later what happens with those two but for the moment, we know they're trying to escape the burning building. Yeah. Um, we cut from this actual fire to the fire alarm being smashed at the hospital. Um, and can I say, as a former hospital employee, <laughs> their fire alarm 
like protocol is terrible. Like they, they just the fire alarm go, goes off and all the caregivers just sprint out the door and leaving all of the patients in their beds. This is not how this works. Like we we had to do like weeks of training every year about using the emergency sleds and how you put people on them. If the fire alarm goes off during a procedure or something. Like it it's like a whole thing and they're just like yeah screw it. Like the patients are are fucked. Um, and I mean, to so, be fair, I wouldn't be risking my life over like Dr. Jacoby and Jacques anyway. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I'm kind of on their yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a given. But <laughs> so we see somebody tapes um, Jacques' arms to the hospital bed and smothers him with a pillow. With um, a gloved hand. It's we, very. Yeah, we, we we don't see the identity of the assailant, but we have a pretty yeah. good idea. It's very. Argento-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sure. is funny because actually in that fire scene that, that precedes this, when they're running away, the score of that scene is really weird. It almost sounds like an 80s, like, like European, like Argento score. Oh, it interesting. Struck me I, as very weird, like not not in the sort of Twin Peaks realm of what it usually sounds like. It was like beep, 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 like synthesizers and stuff. Oh interesting. So, I'll, have to, so, I'll have to listen to that. I didn't I didn't particularly notice it, but there's it other struck noise me in that as scene, odd. So. so we get some just Argento purpose happening in yeah. these two scenes. So uh yeah so that's the end of Jock, which like good. Yeah. <laughs> See it um, never loser. Um, <laughs> and that was be the last that we hear of anybody named Renault in the series, and yep, we'll never and have to deal with that plot line ever again. Ever. Um, okay. Then we're back at the mill, which is like ablaze at this point, and Pete's just gonna go in and save his wife. He has reasons. He's gonna brave the fire. Uh, he he's like. He's like, I see Catherine's car is there. Have, has anybody seen her yet? And then some random construction or some random mill guy is like, uh, no. And he's like, I have to go in there and get her. And then there's like a cut to like, you see the door and there's like flames licking out around it. And the guy's like, I don't think that's a good idea, Pete. And Pete's like, she's still my wife. And he <laughs> like, he is like imbued with super wife guy energy and he like picks up a fire extinguisher. Ultimate wife guy. And then he just like, like gazillion year old Jack Nance just like karate kicks a door open and runs through it. I, my note here, it, it's really good moment. I wrote here, Pete is the only actual good guy on this show. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> One of the um, few, maybe Andy, like. Yeah, maybe Andy. Yeah, and he's got um, problems, but he's also good. Um, yeah, uh, my my next note here is God. Everything sucks about this fucking Ben Audrey scene. I don't know if you want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go for it. So, so this is pretty much I think the last we see of the mill. Um, when we go back to One Eye Jacks, and Ben is horned up because he just sealed this Ghostwood deal. So he's like, Blackie, my friend, why don't we uh get a look at the new girl, which is like, oh, like I wrote, oh no, because yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously yeah. the new girl is unbeknownst to him, Audrey. Um, and so he goes into this room and, and, and I believe the way the rooms are set up is there's like, you go in the room, but then there's like curtains. So she's like behind yeah. that. So it's not like he walks into a room and she's just sitting there like, and he says, 
this he's like it's the stuff as dreams are made of <laughs> and that weirded me out because that's not how that saying goes yeah. like maybe it is but i'm like why did he say as yeah that's it feels almost uh, like and of course workshopped it to sound the creepiest it possibly yeah. could like maybe if it's not quite right it's gonna sound even creepier and there's just like horrible like it's either like a harp sweep or like a piano sweep or something some sort of <laughs> melody goes, and it's just <laughs> and and Audrey is you know she hears I mean it's her dad so obviously she knows what he sounds right. like and she's like this look on her face like Fuck, this isn't good because no matter how this pans out it's not gonna work out for me in <laughs> yeah. any way well, like and, literally there's like four ways this could go terrible she was entering into this with the sense that Koopa uh had gotten New, her note yeah. and was probably trying to bail her out or something. And Coop's already home. Yeah, Coop's gone. He's fucking like, not he thinking about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got his winnings, his earnings. Yeah, yeah. He he yeah. got the bad guy that he was. He's there wrapped to get. up He's... four plot points since yeah, yeah. <laughs> since she saw him on the scene. Coop is hashtag winning somewhere. <laughs> and... Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so she's just horrified, and uh, that is going to be the last we see of her and Ben for the, this is the season finale. So everything's yeah, wrapping yeah. up in a horrifying big- final image for the season for those characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody is just it's ending in dire straits for literally everybody. Um, yeah. And so it will and remain of, as we go into yeah. <laughs> the next scene, which is the final scene. Um, Coop is back at his hotel the um great northern lodge he's got his jacket over his shoulder it's been a good fucking day he's psyched that the Icelandics are not there or or passed out or just silent he's talking to diane on his little recorder he orders from room service a hot milk like not a warm milk a fucking hot milk which is just horrifying horrifying <laughs> disgusting uh he but he deserves this he deserves it. He has worked hard today. And he deserves his, his curdled milk. <laughs> if, that's, <laughs> if that's how he, if that's that's how how he, he lies down. Who yeah. are we as people yeah. to judge? Agreed. Um, and he says 24-hour room service is the premier invention of modern ingenious. <laughs> I guess. I mean... Special agent Dale Cooper, Instacart user confirmed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, literally, yeah, yeah. like, like literally anything else but i guess room service is where he is at so and then do you want to take away the rest of it there's only a couple yeah i mean so he pops open the door to his room and he finally picks up audrey's note at this point should be noted he still three weeks later yeah 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 it should be noted he still has not opened it because he picks it up and he's like My special agent agent. (laughs) and then as he's like walking and he gets a phone call and it's presumably from Lucy because it sounds like it's somebody switchboarding him and he's like he's like hello yeah I'm just I just got in there I have room service coming can you hold on for a second Uh, yeah okay hold on so he sets the phone down and he's going to answer the room service at the door um and then we hear it's Andy on the other end and I forget which of the various things blowing up he's recording if it's either the really, shot i wrote leo's or, shot so i believe was shot like, yeah that's, that's the shot, yeah yeah so he's saying leo's been shot um and then coop answers the door and then it's not just leo 
who's been shot. <laughs> the final thing that we see is Coop getting shot like multiple times in the chest and then it just sort of fades into the end credits. And that's the season finale of the first season of Twin so, Season finale, everybody's dead. It's over. That's, that's, why it's, that's why it's truly the last evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what? The last evening of what? <laughs> like, of... I don't even know. Like, there's no, this nothing. Is, this is the None worst of these, these titles so far, but you know they don't awful. mean anything. So, uh, so yeah, that's it. That's it. Next episode's gonna be season two, which is just a mixed bag. It's a real mixed um, bag. Some of the highest and lowest points of the of the series coming our way yeah, in the yeah. foreseeable future. So, uh, yeah, where will it lead us? We're not sure. So stick around, and we'll get to find out. Uh, Matt, do we have anything from the producer's corner? Uh, over just here? a few things. Actually, maybe uh, I missed it when I was phasing in and out of reality <laughs> of the Red Room. So but, awesome. Um, I, I can't remember if you guys mentioned that we do see the face of the person that smothers Jacques. Oh, I couldn't remember if we saw We do, either. we do. Yeah, yeah. So that's not a spoiler. So if you guys so want to talk about know, that, we see well, the face. Is, we were basically uh, we saying it was the reveal. Yeah, I, I was basically saying we knew it anyway because okay. based on his him earlier going, "Hey, Doc, are you sure that you're not?" I, I forgot that it actually shows his face <laughs> yeah. because right. I kept thinking of the thing where you're seeing. I, I kept thinking of the glove too. I forgot yeah. that they show his face. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so yeah. that's not it's a spoiler weird. to talk around. So, we see that. Yeah. Leland kills Jacques. Leland's not. Right. Well. <laughs> so, it was and, Leland. And the zoom into Doctor Jacoby's eye, fourteen seconds long. 14 seconds. Right. 14 seconds. Yeah. It feels like, it like I mean, eight I, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Longest yeah. 14 seconds of my life. It's still like 14 <laughs> seconds where nothing is happening. It's not communicating anything of yeah. interest to us. Like, if it's it doesn't really sound awful. long, try it. Just sit yeah, there yeah. for 14 at home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Listening. Try sitting <laughs> yeah. for 14 I seconds. I want the listeners. Oh, send okay. us small, short videos of you <laughs> zooming and in on your eyeball. 14 seconds. seconds. I will right. retweet it as, <laughs> as needed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a bit of business. Um, Minnesota Freedom Front is the name of the of the Twitter account, at least. And what they do specifically is they are bailing out people who are arrested for protesting. Right. So I think right, that's a exactly. good a great place to put your money right now while all this is happening. Yeah. Yes. And um, I believe actually they, if you follow them on Twitter too, I believe that they have suggested other charities as well. They're like we're getting a lot of of. Uh, donations. So if you want, you can like also donate here. So that's a good Twitter and account to follow. I'm going to tweet about it so that like three weeks from now when this is up, people right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to contribute. I was going to say we're recording this r right in the midst of these events right now, but I, you know, not knowing exactly when this is going to be live, sure. um, you know, help how you can, donate where you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is important. Um, important. Uh, it's a crazy time to be alive right now. So lots of things happening. Yeah, I'm glad as usual that we were able to do this. This has been a highlight of our pandemic for me. For sure. Uh, super psyched to have the first season wrapped up. I'm like, I was like, are we ever gonna do it really maybe? Because it was <laughs> such a pipe dream of mine to do this. And then, uh, you know, it kept, you know, like there was such a space in between recording. So I'm super happy to be through season one. I'm super 
mixed feelings about going <laughs> into season and, two. But you know the good news about getting into season two is we're that much closer to getting into season three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the and movie. that is some hashtag content. <laughs> yeah, it's three be, is. Like, I also wanted to update you guys that last episode we chatted a little bit about Twin Peaks in Animal Crossing and I wanted our listeners to know that I made a second Nintendo account so I could have a new villager person on my island and I am paying off his house. His name is Mr. Jackpots and every room, every room is going to be a Twin Peaks theme. I have the red room obviously in my house already, but we'll be moving everything over. Very, been working very hard on the double R. So I wanted you guys to know that because it's really exciting to me because my <laughs> life is really sad and there's not a lot. Oh yeah, the baby's walking too. <laughs> like, but also Animal Crossing is super exciting. So I just wanted you guys to know that. You know, list of priorities there, right? <laughs> to be fair, the house started first. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so just want a little update. If people have Animal Crossing Twin Peaks themed things, please send them to me and send I will them retweet to them. Absolutely. But otherwise, we are done. And that's all I got. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Thank you to all of all for joining us for season one. It feels like a milestone, right? Even it if does. it is a short season. We will be back soon. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on social media. Drunk Monkeys. Talk to us whenever you want. We are friendly people. I'm Colleen Carney Hefner. I'm Chris Pruitt. Matt Guerrero. Signing off. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.